Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome. The speaker series happens once a month. This will be part of our weekly Zoom meeting that happens every Friday night. If you would like to be a part of that meeting, you have to be female. And send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you would like to tell your story, please reach out to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Thank you. So I'm Ashley Sex Love Addict and I'm so grateful to be here and I do, I feel very emotional. It's been a while since I've been on a meeting and not for any reason, not, not because I don't consider myself a sex love addict at all. I just, life has happened and, and I do have a baby. I have a 16 month old now and I'm chasing after a toddler most of the time and meetings happen to fall during bedtime. <laughs> so, um, but tonight my husband is home early and with him. So I apologize if there are any interruptions, but there shouldn't be. So, um, let me start back from the beginning. Um, so I grew up, uh, I was born here in Houston, and I lived with my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my uh, biological dad. Um, my mom tells me, told me later he just wasn't healthy to be in. She didn't want him to be in my life. She didn't think that he was healthy enough to be in my life. And I know now that he was in and out of jail. And um, it's probably a blessing that she didn't have him or that I didn't, I wasn't around him. But um, that did leave the hole in the space of not having a father figure. So when I was um, around four or five, my mom married uh, my stepdad and we moved in with him and he had two kids. And um, a few years later, they had my brother. So there's four of us total, but we are one big blended family. And um, a lot of what my childhood was like, my parents were, um, basically functional alcoholics. So they went to work, they lived their daily life. But, um, when they came home at five o'clock, it was time for their gym beam and wine. And, um, that seemed to be of importance. Um, I have a lot of memories of playing by myself as a little girl, like being in my room and playing by myself and my mom and dad, uh, being outside smoking and drinking. And it didn't, I did not feel important. Um, I did not feel like anybody wanted to play with me. I don't have a lot of memories of my mom, you know, taking me to the park or doing things with me. Um, so I learned how to do a lot on my own. And um, there was never, um, I didn't have any sexual abuse growing up, but I had a lot of neglect and I had a lot of sexual object objectification from my stepdad Um my mom uh, was pretty just like she wasn't aware of any of that. There was no talk of anything. There was no talk of um, really much of anything. Like she never sat me down and told me about anything. There was a lot of neglect um, in a sense of emotional neglect. 
neglect. Like I was taken to all of that, but there was a lot of emotional neglect. I wasn't really taught how to grow up or how to be, um, just how to be. I wasn't taught emotions or anything. I have a lot of memories of like watching movies with my mom. That was kind of her time to bond, but it was usually like movies that weren't really appropriate for my age. I would be like seven watching beaches and like crying with my mom. Um, or still Magnolia is like, love the movie, but like, I was probably a little too young to like have some kind of emotional draw to that. So, um, and and I, my stepdad, who I call in, in my story, I do refer to as my dad, um, cause he has been with me growing up, but, um, we weren't really close. He was very, um, he was very standoffish. He's a very quiet man. Um, he doesn't have a lot to say. Um, and so I didn't really have a father figure at all. So probably around, I remember always, always like wanting, um, I remember from early elementary school, just like wanting that fairy tale life and wanting a boyfriend, wanting a boy around. And so I think in my middle school years is probably when it started with boys. Um, and a lot of it was just, me wanting attention and wanting to feel loved, wanting to feel anything. And therefore I would do anything sexual in order to have that attention and love. And, um, at the time I remember thinking, well, I'm the cool girl and I'll do that stuff. I'm the cool girl. And, um, going through high school, I, um, was always, I didn't have goals. I didn't have goals or dreams of, wanting to have a job or career or college, my goals and dreams were how can I get married and have a baby the quickest? And um, nobody, my parents weren't really there to like guide me through that. So I did, I got pregnant when I was 16 years old um, and I had an abortion and I had a miscarriage with another uh, pregnancy um, went all when I was 16 and 17 years old. So I graduated high school early and um, I stayed with my boyfriend and that was, that was, I, I thought I like, this is what I want. I just, I just want to have a boyfriend. And, um, and it always was very fast moving. It, even like as a teenager, I was always just staying the night over there and living my life at their house and doing whatever they wanted to do. Um, and then my drinking started in early, probably early twenties, um, and I was a big binge drinker. So to this day, I'm sober. I don't drink alcohol. Um, I would binge drink and I would um, get very emotional. I would get abusive, physically abusive with my partners. I would get emotionally abusive with my partners. Um, I would sleep around with a uh, a lot of men. Sometimes I, I didn't remember. Sometimes I didn't know what had happened. Um, so all throughout college years, uh, throughout my twenties was filled with a lot of, um, sleeping around, drinking very heavily, being blackout drunk. Um, until one night I, one of my boyfriends had said, I don't want to see you anymore. And I told him, I ran my car into a light pole and totaled, totaled my car when I was drunk. Um, but the feeling that I had was I'm going to do this so that he will, will like come out and get me. Like it was very dramatic. It was like, I'm going to 
try to hurt myself so that he can come get me and save me and love me. And then we will just be together. And, um, right after that, I had a friend that was like, I think, I really think you need help. You either need to go get sober and AA or, um, or something else. Well, I'd ended up going to Al-Anon. Um, and I just thought, well, I end up dating a lot of addicts. And so that's the problem. I date people that have problems and I want to fix them. And I never really saw my addiction or my problem. So I was uh, familiar with 12 step before I came into slaw and, um, and it was, uh, it did, I stopped drinking for a little while and, and it introduced me to the 12 steps, but at some point the drinking started back up and it didn't fix, um, I was still in and out of, I was always in a relationship. I still just did not have goals for myself. I just thought I'm going to get married and depend on a man to uh, take care of me. And that was that's pretty much what I wanted. And um, soon after Al-Anon, I went to a therapist and she was like, have you ever heard of um, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous? I said, no. And she said, you might want to check out a meeting. And I did. I went to my first meeting and um, it was a women's meeting and everything that these women were saying, I related to. I was like, oh my God, other people are like, other people have these thoughts and other people have the obsessions that I've had. Like, I really didn't think that I knew something. I knew I didn't feel normal in my thoughts. Like when I went through a breakup, I went through it. Like it was like, I would cry and cry and cry and go through depression. And I mean, it felt like death, like breaking up with somebody felt like death. Um, and meanwhile, girls that were my age were just, they were going to college and they were like, they would have a boyfriend here and there, but they were like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Um, me, I was like, no, I, I need that man there. And if there wasn't, I was, um, I felt depressed, uh, would drink a lot. And coming into a small meeting was the first time that I heard people saying what I thought. And so I thought, okay, I'm probably in the right place. And, um, I mean, it's like Elizabeth said, I just kept saying yes. I knew kind of from Al-Anon that um, I knew what to do. I knew you get a sponsor and I know you work the steps. And so I did get a sponsor and she said, are you willing to um, not date for a full year? Like have no contact with men for a full year. And I was like, like, I remember taking a breath and being like, I don't know if I could do that, but okay. Um and pretty much everything she suggested, I did, because the amount of pain that I felt was, um, I was like, I have to do something different. I shouldn't be feeling this amount of pain just because I don't have a man around me. And um, so I committed to not dating for a full year. I committed to going to 90 meetings in 90 days. I committed to not going into, I went into no contact with two guys that I was, um, I was in a relationship with one of them, like sexually and emotionally. And the other guy I was saying he, I had dated him before, but I was like, he's just my friend, but I'm going to keep him around. So I was really attached to him emotionally. Like I looked to that guy to tell me if I was okay, tell me what I wanted, tell me what I liked. And then I kind of just like enmeshed with him of like, 
well, if he believed in this spiritual belief, that's what I believed in. And if he said I should get a degree in philosophy, well, that's what I did. And um, so I went into no contact with him too. And that felt going into no contact that I really went into um, withdrawals um, when I first started um, physical withdrawals. I remember being in my apartment. I had finally moved out on my own. It was the first time I graduated college. I moved into this fourplex in Montrose by myself. And I remember calling Elizabeth one day and saying, I don't know, like, I feel itchy and like, I'm going, like, I can't get out of my, my skin. Like I want to jump out of my skin. And she was like, okay, well go mop the floor or scrub a bathtub or clean out a closet. You, you got to get that energy out somehow. And so I did, I think I cleaned everything out. I started running. Um, I would go for walks. I would run. Um, I started, I would go, I'd go, went to 90 meetings in 90 days. So I started hanging out with friend with the girls after, and we would go to coffee or we would go to dinner afterwards. Um, but I basically, I had done, I had no idea how to take care of myself. Like I had no, my parents hadn't taught me. I thought a man was going to take care of me. So at this time it was like, I am learning how to, to take care of myself, which meant just learning how to do basic stuff, like cook myself dinner or go to work. I had my first job, like I was teaching at the time. So I had my first like big girl job and, um, it, it just looked like, okay, I wake up, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to try to take care of myself, um, like journal once a day or do some step work. Uh, I'll go to work and then I'll go to a meeting and then I'll go to dinner with somebody from the meeting. And so my days became very regimented in that. And I needed that. I needed the structure and I needed something to control at the time because I felt so out of control, not having a guy around felt so for like completely foreign to me. Um, not having somebody that I could turn to and be like, what do you think I should do? Um, except for healthy people and program and recovery. So, um, it was just, it was a hard time and, but it was a, it was such a good time. Like I finally, I had made friends. Like I started making friends in SWAW. And for the first time I was working on making multiple friends, not just having one in the past, I would have like one best friend and I would cling to and put all my energy into that, which is what I did with a guy. You know, if there was a guy around, I didn't really have friends either. Like if there was a guy and I was in a relationship, that was my only focus. I was friends with his friends. Um, but I was learning how to be friends with women and have multiple friends and learning how to do that in a healthy way, spreading out my, um, you know, spreading out my emotional needs and connection with people. And that was very new. Um, it was a very new concept. I, I really thought like you should just have one person and you're just so close and we should just take care of each other. And that was, um, that was too much. That was not healthy at all. So um, I went through the year of um, no contact. I had done, I think, 60 days of no contact with both of my qualifiers. And I, the end of those 60 days, decided um, I don't 
need to be in a relationship with either of them. I don't need to have contact with them, mainly because I don't like how I show up with them. It wasn't like at the end of the day, it had to be nothing to do with them. It was more, I need to show up for myself. And I don't know if I can do that while I'm talking to them. And right now I'm important. And that was never a concept, but I was important. And that was what needed to be the focus. And um, uh, the let's see, I did my steps. I worked my steps in about in that first year. And um, I dove into service work and I loved it. Like it helped me become feel a part of. Um, I loved leading meetings and being a part of um, any kind of service work, any kind of event. Like um, it just, I felt a part of, and it felt fun for me. It felt like, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't just a meeting. It's like, there are fun activities here. There are workshops and things that we could put together. And um, it helped keep me sober because it gave me, it gave me something to turn my attention to um, that filled, it, it filled me up. It made me feel important and wanted and needed in a, in a productive, healthy way. Um, so after about a year, cause I had committed to no dating for a year, my sponsor and I talked about me dating and, uh, we came up with a dating plan and what that would look like. And, um, that was fun because my sponsor hadn't dated. She came in the program and she was married and she, um, she's like, I don't really know, you know, like I didn't date in this program. So we're going to come up with this together. So we came up with a dating plan and, very quickly, I realized I didn't really want to date. I wanted a relationship, which was always what I wanted. I didn't really ever date. It was more like meet some guy out. And then I am all of a sudden sleeping with him that night and then just living with him for however long. So there was no um, having coffee for the first time, just going to a dinner, going to a lunch. That was very, very new. And I honestly didn't, she called me and my sponsor was like, you don't really want to date. You just want that. You just want that relationship. And I was like, yeah, I do. Like, I just wanted to jump in, you know, just be my boyfriend. I'm the girlfriend. We're living together. We're planning our life. Like we're skipping all the whole dating experience. So, but I did, I went on dates and, um, it did become very fun. I met, um, I met a lot of guys just organic. I was very big on, I wanted to meet guys organically. And um, so I did. There were times that I, uh, I remember I went on a date with a guy that I met at Starbucks or even a guy I remember at uh, Kroger in the grocery store. We like started talking and none of these dates really went anywhere. I think we went on like a coffee date and then it didn't really go anywhere. Um, and then there was... Uh, one of my friends, a lot of my friends uh, were in program in recovery and a lot of them were married or a few of them were married and their husbands were in recovery too. And so I remember asking um, one of one of the girls, like, well, does your husband have any friends? And they were like, yeah, there's one guy, uh, but he's the kind of guy, like you don't practice. He's the kind of guy you marry. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not there. Like I'm still in the practice mode here. So about another year went on of just kind of dating and, and I didn't love it. Like it was fun and there were fun times. I didn't always love it though. Cause again, I just, I would go on a date and it was so 
foreign and uncomfortable to just talk about, um, you know, not going so deep so fast. Um, you know, just getting to know somebody, uh, talking about things that seem on the surface but are appropriate for just meeting somebody not going into like so what was your childhood like you know and that's the that's the kind of stuff I like to talk about you know like let's dive right in let's dissect each other and um it was like no those topics weren't on the table for those first couple dates at all so it was it was uh so interesting to just what felt like doing what normal, what a normie person would do. Um, so fast forward about a year and I had gone on a date with the, the guy that said he's, they said, you know, don't, we don't practice with him. He's the guy you marry. And um, he's my husband today. So, um, but we still dated. We, we went on a date once a week and uh, we really got to know each other. Uh, we took it slow. We had in the dating plan we had for each, uh, like each step of the way, um, you know, like if parts for um, physical, whether we kiss or at some point, if we're in a committed relationship, then adding in sex. And um, I sh- I had not had sex at all since um, getting sober. So it had been a couple years because I was now sober and in a place where I knew I wasn't going to have sex unless I was in a committed relationship. And, um, sex was something that I had so much, um, wrapped up. I didn't know the amount of shame I had wrapped up in it. Um, so I knew like the first time that I did have sex in recovery, that that was going to feel very vulnerable and very intimate. And, um, I had a lot of body shame, a lot of, I wasn't comfortable just in my body. And this is something that, um, still has worked, has been worked on throughout my marriage, con- con- like constantly worked on, um, my, I never saw a body for just a body. Growing up, my mom did not teach me anything about just a woman's body. To me, it was something that was sexual. So if I, you know, got out of the shower, even if I was home alone and got out of the shower, I would always keep myself very wrapped up. And um, if I looked at myself in the mirror, it was very like, that's sexual, not seeing my, not like, doing anything sexual, but I could not even look at myself naked without just looking at myself and being like, this is a body. And therefore, if there was any touches from guys or anything like that, everything I thought was going to lead to sex. Um, I did not know anything about just sensuality, just being sensual with somebody, being sensual with myself. But the women in spa taught me, um, about just loving my body too. Like they would talk about, you know, when you do get out of the shower, putting lotion on and just getting comfortable with your body and letting that be like a central time for yourself because there is nothing sexual about that. And um, so I knew going into this committed relationship that um, sex was going to feel very vulnerable. And it did. And the first time that we did have sex, I cried. And um, it was the first time that I didn't, that I had had sex and I hadn't, I didn't make it um, 
something just physical. It wasn't like I didn't turn everything off in my brain and let it just be and let me. It wasn't a performance because before I always needed to perform. Like, how good am I doing here? Am I doing this good? Does he like this? This was more of an emotional connection. Um, And letting somebody see me for the first time after doing, after, you know, doing work on myself and uh, acknowledging to myself that this is more than just trying to get a guy to love me or accept me. Um, This is an experience for both me and him. And uh, the probably about, so that was like my first sexual experience in recovery. And that was with my husband now. But um, the first year of us dating was really hard. Um, it was the first time trying to, to be in a relationship, um, being sober. And I had a lot of my emotional baggage come up. And my rage came out. And I was um, starting to, and I had raged before in relationships, but it had always been when I was drinking well, I had still not been drinking and the rage was coming back. So a lot of times when I felt scared, when I was angry about something, um, thank you. I would rage and that looked a lot like being, um, emotionally abusive. Um, it looked like me throwing things. It looked like me, um, uh, just throwing massive fits um, to get what I wanted or to get his attention. And that almost, I'm not saying just that he had his part too, um, and work that he needed to do. He is in recovery too. Um, but we quickly went to a therapist and started working on our relationship before we got me, before we got engaged. Um, so kind of fast forward, our dynamic was, uh, me, kind of looking me raging and outwardly showing my emotions, just like no containment, no, no control at all. And, um, my husband's more of the, I'm more of the, like, come here, I need you. I need you. And he's more of the, like, push away, push, uh, kind of avoidant. Um, or he was at the time. And that really caused this push pull dynamic between us. Um, so we, we did some couples therapy before, um, before we got married and the couples therapist, actually, one of them was like, I don't think y'all should get married. And I was kind of like, well, how dare her? <laughs> like, I think we should. So we did, we got married and, um, I got married and those first couple of years of our marriage were really hard. Um, it was hard. My husband was getting sober. He was, had been sober in AA and he started getting sober in slaw, um, after a couple of years of us being married. And I was, I was still raging. I was still, um, there. I think I kept telling myself, I don't have control over that. And the truth is I do. And, um, I kept, I would go to therapy and I would talk about this in meetings. I was talking about it in meetings all the time. And I was like, I just can't stop. Just can't stop. And, um, and the truth is like, there were so many things that I still had not worked on to, um, get control of that little girl inside me. And a lot of, uh, a lot of what Slaw did was like, it allowed me to take a look at that little girl inside me that was still hurting, still in pain, 
um, still really scared of somebody leaving, probably a lot of abandonment from the neglect in my childhood or not having my dad around, not having my mom or stepdad be present and trying to fill that with my husband. Like, come here, be, just be, be here for me in life. And of course, that's not healthy and he can't fulfill that. Um, I remember so many conversations. There was so much I wanted to control. Like, there was so much I, I would, I remember even talking to Elizabeth a lot and being like, he wants to drink like Diet Coke all the time. And I just think that's like, that's not healthy and that's not good for you. And I made it this huge deal. Like he's just not healthy. And Elizabeth was like, just give him diet, just give him like a 12 pack of Diet Coke and be done with it. And I was like, I don't under, like I need him to be a certain way. And so for years I tried to get him to be a certain way and, um, and work. So we, finally started seeing this one therapist. He was getting sober and slow. And I think finally it just like clicked in me like something. And I was still sober. Like I was sober and slow um, to my bottom line behaviors. I didn't cheat outside of my relationship or anything like that. Um, but the physical and emotional abuse was just, it was, um, I needed to get control of that. And we had started trying to, we had started talking about wanting to have kids, wanting to try to get pregnant. And um, I knew like, I can't, I don't want to be out of control when I'm a mom and I don't want to be out of control as a wife. And um, I finally used, started using tools to, to help when I felt the rage come up, to help when I felt scared. Mainly it was fear. It was a lot of fear-based of emotions that would come up that would be underneath the, the rage. So um, when I did feel fear, one of the things that um, has helped so much was just simply talk to my husband or talk to somebody about it and name. Um, and that's what Slaw has really given me. It was like the ability to name my emotions and my feelings and acknowledge them in an appropriate way, not throw up on somebody, not dish them out, um, not angrily throw them at somebody, but just talk about it. And I don't think I ever wanted to do that because I thought it made me look uh, vulnerable. I thought I could get hurt. I thought it made me look weak. And instead it has only brought me closer to my husband and it has only brought us um, way, way closer. Um, and so really the, the, the abuse had stopped. My husband got sober and our, our marriage started changing. Like we start eyes, we both got healthier, the healthier our marriage got. Um, the more we could both just talk to each other about what was going on. Like, Hey, and it, and it really wasn't anything crazy or big. It's just, this happened today. And I felt really scared about it. And I'm feeling emotional and I'm feeling sad about it. You know, it's just talking to each other. Um, we, we really cut out time during the week to, to just talk about things and commit to working on ourselves outside of our marriage, commit to still doing that inner work that we both need to do, um, so that we can come together as a whole. Um, so then we decided, okay, I feel like we're at a healthy place. We're ready to start, um, trying to have a baby. And this is when COVID hit, um, uh, just right before COVID hit, but I, I had gotten pregnant and, um, 
I had a cyst that ruptured on my ovary and I bled out and was probably minutes away from not being at the hospital dying. And I was pregnant at the time. I lost that baby. And um, when I woke up from that surgery, um, it was like things, everything had kind of changed. Um, we came home uh, for me to recover. Um, they didn't have to take anything out. Thank God, like I still have everything there. But my husband um, really had to be there for me physically and emotionally, like literally give me a shower or literally see me in places that were um, so dark for me. And that was something that, you know, I kind of had always tried to be this, like, I'm cool. I got it. I could take care of myself. And in this moment, it was a time in life, in my own life and in our life as a couple that um, I needed God. I needed program. I needed him. I needed, um, and I still get so emotional about it because it was such a changing moment in our life. Um, and I just, when I cry, when I was in pain, I cried and he was there to hold me. Um, when I needed him to give me a shower, he was there to give me a shower. When, um, I cried about the baby, uh, not making it, um, a few days after we got home, he was there. And our therapist says we've never been the same after that experience. And I could not have gone through that experience that that could have made or break, make or break us. Um, I could have put my guard up and I'm fine. I'm fine. Fine. And I wasn't fine. And I needed all the support I could get from my girlfriends, from recovery, from God, from my husband. And it brought us so much closer. And I think, I really think it's because me, I learned how to be vulnerable. I learned how to just show myself. And uh, fast forward a little bit after that, um, I did get pregnant and I have um, a beautiful 16 month old boy now. And so now we're navigating parenting together. And um, it's, it's not like Elizabeth said, like life is not perfect by any means, but um, it's so good. It's so good these days. And it's good because we have a very happy house now. Like, and people say all the time, they see the joy in my son. He He's a very happy baby. And he really, it's not just in pictures, like he's really happy. And I really contribute that to like, he has a very positive home environment. And that's filled with a lot of, um, since we're both in recovery, we have a lot of recovery talk. Uh, we have a lot of recovery um, ideals and ways that we choose to parent and ways that we want to do differently from us growing up. And we really try to uh, raise our son in the in ways that we are, we are very intentional about how we want to raise him. And um, parenting has come, has been a very beautiful thing for both of us to, for me to see him as a dad and him to see me as a mom and to be able to do it in a way that we are both um, navigating something that's so new to us, but come together as a, I would say we're more of a team than we've ever been. And um, it's really beautiful. And I would not have, and, and don't get me wrong. Like we still have things come up, but it's so much, it's calm. It's really cool. Life is calm. Um, when something comes up, we talk about it. 
um, you know, there's times to say, you know, I have tools today to be like, Hey, when you have time, you know, can we schedule a time to talk about this? Um, and then we'll talk about it. You know, when this happened, I felt, and this is the story I'm making up and here's what I would like or need. And that's how a lot of our dialogue goes. It's not like you did this, you did this. And I'm not saying it's perfect every time, but for the most part, it's healthy. It's very healthy. And um, that has what that's, I've learned that in these rooms and I've learned that through growing up in program, learning how to look at myself and go, okay, what's going on with me? Not him. What's going on with me? And um, in my whole life, I wanted to put it on somebody else or something else. And it's not, it's me and uh, my ability to take care of myself. And um, I'm just so grateful to have been here to tell my story tonight. I kind of feel, I hope it like made some sense. Um, It's been a while since I've told my story. So I'm just grateful to be here and to see all of you. Thank you so much. That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.